Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode, we are talking about the Detroit Pistons finishing out the preseason. Ben Gulker and I talk about the Pistons' activity on defense, Josh Jackson as the new Christian Wood, and what to make of Svi Mikhailuk's lack of playing time. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, and I'm pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. How are you doing, Ben? Laz, doing good. Last preseason podcast before we have some real basketball to talk about. I'm ready. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I do feel like it's like, okay, we, we, we have finally shaken off the rust ourselves. It's time <laughs> to get, we've played ourselves in the shape. We've spoken ourselves into shape. And so I'm ready for the regular season. Uh, yeah, I don't know how in shape I am, but I'll, <laughs> the rest of that, I'm with you. Round is a shape. Never <laughs> that's forget. true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so the preseason's over. The uh, Pistons went two and two over the course of said preseason. Uh, to me, the biggest story was the defense. Um, they didn't allow 100 points in a preseason game. There were a lot more aggressive uh, signs from the defense. There was a lot more trapping. There's a lot more digging on drives on, over the middle. There was just like a lot more length and athleticism, which is something like I've talked about a bunch over these last couple of weeks. And it's something that's just so shocking when you when you see it and how much the Pistons lacked it over the last uh, couple of iterations. Um, they played some zone. They played some like regular drop. They trapped. They did a lot of things. They they didn't go. Uh, they didn't do some things like they didn't go over on screens. They didn't really have to on any of the guards that they faced. You know, Russell Westbrook and Dennis Smith Jr. are not exactly like Damian Lillard and, and Trey Young and Steph Curry. But uh, the activity, I think, was what really uh, more than anything else appealed to me and something I was a little bit uh, surprised by coming into the preseason. What what do you think of the of the defense this pre, this preseason pen? Surprising, I think, wasn't it? I was not anticipating them to be solid defensively, but um they were second, I think in the NBA in points allowed per game for the preseason, which is which is pretty surprising. Um they I think were they didn't really face Great shooters, as you mentioned, they didn't really have anybody who could sort of warn and over the top coverage on the pick and roll. But they they held their opponents to twenty six percent from deep, which is very impressive. Um, so yeah, I, I think you can sort of see a little bit of that Troy Weaver vision um, actually happening, probably a little bit ahead of schedule. Now, obviously, we're talking preseason; that's the giant qualifier for everything. But you've got length, you've got versatility. Um, making it making it difficult to get off open looks, and uh, you know offensively, you know we'll talk about that in a minute. They didn't didn't quite come to fruition, but defensively, I think you have to be pretty happy. Um, I think definitely ahead of schedule for sure. Yeah, usually young teams aren't this good defensively, right? Like usually young guys don't know where to be positionally or just aren't used to the the size and strength of other like NBA level competition. But, um, you know, all the rookies looked, all the rookies were kind of known as solid defensive players. And it's good to see that come in and immediately translate. I'm thinking of particularly, you know, Killian Hayes and Sadiq Bey, the two rookies who played the most in the preseason. We saw uh, defensive improvements from uh, guys like Sekou Dumbuya, who we're going to talk about in detail a little bit later but yeah it's just like a team the sixth youngest team in the nba like usually isn't going to be good at defense so uh them being good at defense in the preseason at least 
was a, a welcome surprise, but a surprise nonetheless. But now we get to talk about the offense. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Ben, the Pistons also didn't score 100 points in a preseason game. Uh, that sounds bad. It's probably bad. How many regular season games before they score 100 points? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, they were tied for 30th in points per game for the preseason. Uh, interestingly, they were tied with Boston when I looked at the stats earlier. Uh, so their offense was obviously poor. Um it was poor in pretty much every way, too. I mean, they were almost at the bottom in terms of assists. They were almost at the bottom in terms of turnovers, uh, almost at the bottom in terms of field goal percentage, and then bottom third in three-point percentage. So, I mean, really, every metric, uh, it was really, really a struggle. Um, you know, I obviously, I think some of that is due to the fact that Blake Griffin was not particularly assertive. And I think that was the game plan, right? I, th I think he was definitely uh, very intentional about taking a step back and, and not overexerting and letting some of these young players uh, get some minutes, let Jeremy Grant explore some of his individual competencies, let Killian Hayes really run the show and, and get into the paint and get a feel for what the NBA speed of the game looks like. And, you know, and for better and worse, that that's the results that we got, right? Killian... Uh, struggled a bit with turnovers, struggled a bit with his passing, and then we, we definitely saw that uh, we're not a particularly good shooting team. So, yeah, didn't didn't get to 100 points in the preseason. That is less than ideal in, in 2020. Um, I'm going to say that, however, that I think Blake Griffin is going to step up a little bit when we get to the regular season here in just a few days. It's not going to make the Pistons a great offensive team, but it's going to make them a little – at least a little more tolerable to watch, I think, when we get to the regular season. That's that's a good point. Uh, I, Blake, you know, by himself, if he looked, he looks healthy-ish. He uh, doesn't look uh, perhaps as explosive as he did two years ago, which is probably to be expected. But he's moving well, and I guess that's all you can ask for. And it does, you do kind of feel like he will take uh, more advantage of what defenses offer him in the regular season. But yeah, when you when you brought up those numbers at the beginning, it's like the turnovers and, and the shooting. It's like, well, okay, turnovers like that sounds typical of the sixth youngest team in the NBA, right? Mm -hmm. Like they can they can defend, but turning the ball over, like yeah, not not great. And the shooting that is that we we knew that was an issue going into the season. We could look at the roster and see that they had some uh, they had one you know elite NBA shooter in Svi Mikhailuk. They had maybe some other guys you hoped would be pretty good as uh, NBA shooters and like Blake Griffin and Jeremy Grant and uh, and Josh Jackson and maybe even Killian Hayes. And then you had some guys as just giant question marks like uh, everybody else, <laughs> basically. And so, you know, with the way that offense is derived in 2020 in the NBA, if you can't shoot threes and you can't make threes, uh, it's not going to go well for you. So it's not it's not a surprise that uh, this Pistons team is was struggling offensively even in the preseason. Um, I do think that, you know, as we see a, a real regular rotation, um, we saw, like, the in the end of the last two, like, preseason games, um, the Pistons had, like, a decent amount of – they had, like, 95 points with, like, three minutes to go and, like, never made it to 100. I think, like, with uh, – if you put the actual, like, starting lineup back in, that probably doesn't happen. Um, and so, you know, longer minutes for some better offensive players probably results in more points. But it, the the turnovers and the shooting numbers you brought up again just like really show uh, how this team is going to struggle on that offensive end to start the year. All right, Ben. The uh, next thing I want to talk about was Seku Dumbuya. Is Seku is Seku good? Is Seku <laughs> good? I, I I asked this on Twitter and I got a lot of feedback from a lot of people who were like, yes. But that was during the third game when he was playing pretty well, and you know he didn't really show much during the fourth preseason game. Um, he was good when he played well. He played well in a lot of the ways that he played well last year. Uh, you know, off ball cutting, uh, moving without the ball, getting out in, in the transition. And uh, making you know the few open threes that he gets, um, but he still wasn't consistent, right? He still had two good preseason games and two less good preseason games. So Ben is is Seku good now? Can we rely on this guy? 
<laughs> well, I don't think he's good yet. Uh, his numbers actually look pretty solid. As you mentioned, it's kind of two up and two down in the preseason. I think that's a, a perfectly accurate description. And, you know, that's a lot of what we saw a season ago, except it was kind of like one up and two down, right? One good game and a couple struggles. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the thing about Seku right now is that I think he can positively impact the game on offense, um, but it's going to be derived from other players. His individual skill set, I don't think is totally there. It's, it's very much uh, garbage point opportunities and moving without the ball opportunities. Um, and look, there's a place for that, right? I mean, that you can be a positive NBA player. I mean, look at what Jeremy Grant was uh, in Denver, right? That was kind of his role and uh, earned him $20 million a year. So, you know, is he good? He's not even 20 yet, right? Like he's, he's still 19. Um, he, for three more days, for three more days, right. I think he turns on the, <laughs> on the 23rd, I think if, is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not, he's not good yet. Um, he does some good things and he's inconsistent. Um, he still, you know, he still has that tendency to sort of fade into the background and disappear. And I, I think it's going to take him a little while to overcome that. He, when he's not involved offensively, he can he, he just kind of tends to lose his assertiveness and aggressiveness, I think, is, is kind of my read. But look, I mean, if you, if you look just at his raw numbers, he shot um, over 60% from the floor. He shot 30-something percent from three. He averaged almost 10 points in 15 minutes a game. I mean, all of that is, is production, even if it comes in a sort of, you know, secondary derivative sort of way. Um, he's definitely not ready for prime time as, you know, anything more than a role player who's, who's working off of other people. Um, but I'm still fine with that. I mean, I, I'm not worried about him at this point. I, I think he's still got an NBA body. He's got NBA athleticism. I actually listened to the Washington feed for game four of the preseason and they were just absolutely in love with Seku's activity, even though it wasn't a particularly great game for him. They loved his activity. They 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 were really high on his athleticism and uh, and his body and all of those kinds of things. So, yeah, long answer. No, I don't. I don't think he's. I don't think he's good yet. But I'm not particularly worried about it um, because I, I think he can still impact the game if even if his individual skill set isn't quite where we'd want it to be. Yeah, I liked his activity. Honestly, that was. That was the biggest change for me um, in what we saw out of Seku at the end of last year um, to now. Uh, you you do men- you did mention, and you are correct in that, especially offensively, he can kind of fade into the background. But I think this season he's done, or so far in four preseason games again, he's done a better job of not fading into the background defensively. Uh, he was averaging, I think, like three, like 1.5 and 1.5 steals uh, and 1.5 blocks uh, a game in the preseason per 100 possessions. And so, like, yeah, that's fantastic. I think that's that's really good. Uh, mm-hmm. And you never saw him. Uh, I, I very rarely like saw him like lose track of things in the way that I felt was a consistent uh, undercurrent of his play last year on that end. And so when. I think about his offense, like, yes, it's absolutely uh, derived from other players. We talked a little bit about the relationship he's going to have to have with Derrick Rose last week. But to me, if he continues to stay focused on the defensive end, he'll continue to get playing time. And as he continues to get playing time, he'll hopefully be able to assert himself more offensively. Um, the The other thing is that uh, the other thing I really liked is that he got to the line a bunch. Again, per 100 possession, per 100 possessions, he got to the free throw line uh, 10 times, which is pretty good, like honestly. And again, a lot of that was just because of, like, you know, getting dump off passes, uh, you know, after he's uh, cut to the basket, uh, getting uh, fouled in transition, um, making making his way to the line. And that's something that I think will always, if he's able to continue doing that, that always provides a consistent baseline of scoring potential. Uh, I think he shot like 67% from the line so that like, that's not great. 
um, and he will need to continue making those free throws to take advantage of those for like free scoring opportunities. But if he can uh, continue to play defense and make it to the line with some regularity in his limited minutes, like that's a good baseline to build on top of as the season goes along. And I hope that continues. Now, the guy he was playing next to a lot, who I think got a lot more shine just because of his more consistent offensive play was Josh Jackson. You know, obviously we've got the parallel with Christian Wood of uh, this guy who uh, wasn't particularly valued highly around the league. Uh, because of some off the court uh, concerns, we'll say around around the league. Uh, ben, is it is it too early to call Josh Jackson the next the next version of Christian Wood? Well, it is absolutely too early to say anything. Let's be clear about that, right? Like <laughs> we are speculating after four preseason games, but wow, yeah. I mean, to me, he was the bright spot of the preseason for the Pistons. He shot the ball really, really well. I was impressed with his assertiveness and his confidence as well. I think, you know, after things started to go well for him really early in the preseason, he he decided he was just going to make the most of the opportunity that presented itself for him. And uh, he took advantage of it, right? He shot uh, 50% from three on a hand, almost five attempts a game. Um, we've talked about the roster's lack of shooting. It was really nice to see a guy step in and, and shoot the ball uh, pretty well. So yeah, this was obviously one of the flyers that we liked in preseason. It's, you know, pretty low risk, potentially pretty high reward. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really thrilled. I'm really happy that he shot well. I'm really happy that he was assertive. Um, and you know, the other thing we've talked about Laz is this team's not a very good rebounding team he was sneaky good as a team rebounder in the preseason as well so uh, yeah absolutely he seems to have solidified himself uh, as a rotation player I think with his preseason play it makes for an interesting log jam of sorts I think at the two position which maybe we'll unpack a little bit as we talk more Um, but yeah so far really really pleased with Josh Jackson yeah I wonder how much the how much of what uh josh the classic like josh jackson uh offensive behavior like does uh, is kind of carried by the fact that he shot 50 percent from three there were a lot of uh there were a lot of shots that i like as someone who's like watched a fair amount of josh jackson over the years because i was so interested in the pistons picking him up uh like he has a lot of like offensive ticks there's a lot of like one-legged uh, right-hand floaters. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, you know tricky step backs, and you know he took a lot of shots. And if you're shooting fifty percent from three, it covers a multitude of sins on the offensive end. So I wonder how what kind of impact and how much Pistons fans will enjoy like the full Josh Jackson experience if he's not shooting fifty percent from three. But my hope is that um, he. You know, because he knew he was playing well, he sees the opportunities that were given to him and that when he is playing less well, he will not be as assertive. Right there. Uh, he was usually on the court with like a guy like Derrick Rose um, and uh, guys like Sveem Kailuk. You know, I would like to see him uh, make sure he's able to play off of those guys. Um, I'd like to, you know, see him continue to like make open threes and, and whatnot. But I don't necessarily want Josh Jackson initiating offense a lot of the time for the Detroit Pistons. And we saw a little bit of that in the uh, fourth preseason game, and it, it went okay, I guess. But it all, you also kind of saw the uh, the potential for how it could go poorly uh, if the shots don't fall. So that's that's my main concern with Josh is that um, he's going uh, gonna to seize an outsized uh, stretch of, uh, of offensive like shots. And it's not going to go as well as it has this preseason. But he was a he was a bright spot. I love what he brings to defensively. Um, he somehow like didn't get credit for that crazy chase down block on uh, Denny Abdia on the final mm-hmm. in the final preseason game. Like that, you I can't remember the last Piston who could do something like that. Tayshawn Prince, maybe. Maybe yeah. Circa two thousand five, not it's not it's, second go around, and that's fifteen years ago, right? That's a long time to go without guys who can make uh, who can make highlight plays like that. And so, yeah, like uh, on the whole, I'm like totally enamored with what Josh Smith was doing, but I'm just I'm guarding guarding my heart against the the uh, the potential for for less. Yeah, the um, Washington TV crew uh, had his name written as John Jackson. 
throughout, <laughs> throughout the, I think most of the game, and I got a pretty good chuckle out of that. Yeah, you get, I mean, you know, make them make them earn it, right? <laughs> All right, one guy who I didn't play as well as Josh Jackson in the preseason uh, was was Killian Hayes. You know, I you guys know I still love Killian Hayes. I'm not going to let you slander Killian Hayes, but he did not shoot the ball well from three. And his assist numbers, despite the obvious like passing uh, acumen he has, his assist numbers weren't great. Ben, I, I know you said it's only four preseason games. It's too early to think anything. But is it too early to begin worrying about Killian Hayes starting point guard? No, it's not too early to worry about him. Uh, or wait, hold on. It is too worry. <laughs> Let's start <laughs> over. It is too early to worry. There we go. That's what I meant to say the first time. Um, so here's here's my take on Killian Hayes. He obviously his shooting is just not developed yet. If you look at his free throw shooting numbers, whether it be the preseason or uh, you go back to his his time overseas. His, his free throw shooting is good enough to tell you that he's going to develop some sort of a jump shot, right? Like he's not going to continue to be a poor shooter. It's just that um, that part of his game just hasn't developed yet. Um, I, I think what we'll see um, maybe in the first season is, is not necessarily a three-point jumper, but he is very, very crafty in terms of getting to the paint and he had a whole lot of his little floaters that were were so close, but just not quite there. And to me, what I'm I'm ready to write that off as right now is that he just hasn't quite adapted to the physicality of the NBA. So that you know he he gets bumped off balance just a little bit more than maybe he would have in his previous professional experience, and that's enough uh, to make those shots drift drift afar. His three-point shooting, to me, just looks bad. Um, I don't see a whole lot of room. Um, Well, it it could improve a little bit during his first season. I I don't think he's going to become a good three-point shooter uh, during his first season. But I think we're going to see that two-point percentage tick up because I think he's going to learn how to finish. Uh, And he's going to get accustomed to uh, the extra physicality, the extra length, uh, the extra leaping ability of defenders, and he, he's going to learn how to get the ball in the basket from inside of eight feet. Um, you know, in, in terms of his shooting, 29% from two, 22% from three, objectively terrible, right? Like, that's just really, really bad. Um, it, it'd be nice to see him get closer to 30% by the end of the season from three and get that two-point percentage up closer to 40%. And I think that, you know, if, if we look at the second half of his rookie season and if he's approaching some of those numbers, I think we can feel really, really good about where he is as a shooter. But, you know, for those first 20, 30, maybe 40 games, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him continue to struggle a little bit shooting the ball just because he's got to adapt to NBA defenses. Now, in terms of his passing, uh, in terms of his, uh, playmaking for other, for other people, um, I, I still like his instincts and his vision, uh, and I also like his size. Um, so I, I think what you're saying is, again, he's got to learn to play at the speed of the NBA. It's unlike any other league. You know, and, and anyone who ever played any sort of sport at any level, right? When you go from the freshman team to JV and JV to varsity, there's just that natural adjustment that you have to make, and that's what he's experiencing right now. But when you look to me, when you look at his physicality, when you look at his ability to beat people off the dribble and get into the paint and really get pretty clean looks off inside the paint, like to me, all of that says there's a real NBA player there and he just needs some time to marinate a little bit. He's he's still just a kid and he's got some things to figure out. And well, one of the things I was really paying attention to in game four was um, – he, he gets a lot of looks inside the paint like Derek Rose gets. Like Rose kind of likes that one-handed floater a little bit off balance, you know, kind of crafty shot. So, um, you know, that's not something Derek Rose had right away either. That, that takes time to develop. Uh, and that's what I'll be looking to see, you know, five months from now. Uh, and not get too caught up in the first 20 or 30 games where I think he's going to continue to struggle a little bit. Yeah, I agree that it's too early to be worried 
but I think that the concerns that people had going into the draft with Killian Hayes proved themselves to be like worth paying attention to. Yes. Uh, yeah. He he's not he we see him be a better off the dribble three point shooter than off the catch three point shooter, but you know, in an offense with Blake Griffin, like most of his three point attempts I think came off the catch and he was really bad on those and that's something that definitely like needs work. That's going to take a couple off seasons. Um I I think for now, I think I'd like to see him actually try and uh, take some more mid-range shots just to uh, give defenses like another thing to account for. Um, maybe not uh, much in the same way like I was comfortable with Luke Kennard taking mid-range shots just because like it felt like it was a good shot for Luke. I feel like those are those are good shots for Killian as well, and so I'd be comfortable with him taking them. Uh, as a finisher around the basket, I like how much he picked his matchups. Right. Like uh, when he was matched up with Raul Neto, he was like, OK, I can. This guy is like three inches shorter and like 20 pounds lighter than me. I can take this guy. And and he did a couple times. Right. It made some good finishes around the basket there. Had an and one um, that that looked nice. Um, and with passing. Oh, no. Oh, the, the thing with the finishing, though, is he is still pretty uncomfortable using his right hand yeah. around the basket. Yeah. Um, that's going to need to change. And I tweeted this actually in the meantime, if, if you, you know, and I, that's going to take a couple off seasons. You can't just like develop a right hand in the middle of the season. Uh, in the meantime, you should definitely adopt that Brandon Jennings, Lou William, like I'm going to twist my body and make my left hand. That's supposed to be the outside hand, the inside hand and finish that way. It's like, just, just try that instead. Um, and still absorb some contact and try and get fouled that way. Uh, the passing I really liked his ability to pass to shooters. I really liked the way he uh, continues to like see defenses bend and shift and get the ball out to the perimeter. Uh, something I think he's going to have to get used to, and something uh, like his screeners are going to have to get used to, is uh, like the, the vertical lob threat we talked about. We talked about with Mason Plumley. Um, he threw Mason a couple of lobs that looked weird, and like Mason wasn't ready for them, and the defense was kind of there. And so, and but he's he's thrown those lobs before, and they worked in the German league, and like that doesn't work in the NBA, man. There's less space. There's more. There's better athletes. Like we gotta we gotta find some different and better passing windows for him to take advantage of. Um, and I will say, like there are a couple times where like he he should have more assists, right? He threw a open court lob to Jeremy Grant that Jeremy Grant like missed a dunk on, right? He throws a, a cross court laser to a corner shooter who stepped out of bounds and made the shot, right? Like, in my mind, like, there were – and I saw, like, I saw that, like, a couple times a game at least. And, like, yes, every time he makes a a good pass, the shot isn't going to go in. But for me, as long as I, like, see the the process working with the passing vision, like, that is is the biggest thing for his development and that that's – I continue to see that. And so I'm happy. But, yeah, the the shooting – needs to get cleaned up and that's going to be a a multiple season project yeah i think i mentioned this last week but you know his shooting is he doesn't have a consistent miss and that that's the thing that says to me that he's uh, a couple years away rather than just you know finding his legs And, and when you he shot i think he shot an air ball in game four um, you know, it's different <laughs> shooting over NBA defenders is unlike anything he's ever done before. The three point line is longer. Like that just doesn't happen overnight. It, it's, it's going to take hours and hours and thousands and thousands of reps for that muscle memory to develop. So I, I just, I would caution people don't get too hung up on the shooting in year one. Let's reevaluate, you know, 10 months from now. Uh, because I just I don't expect that that three point shooting, uh, that long distance shooting is going to take a big leap right away. Yeah, and he's confident in it, right? Mm-hmm. He's not a, he's very a, he's very able to take those shots and get to those shots. Uh, it's just a matter of them going in or not. And so and there's a strain of thought that as long as he's willing to take that shots, those shots, and as long as defenses are willing to account for him taking those shots, like that has just as matches uh, just as much of an impact on the defense as if he were a, a better three point shooter. And so, yeah, I were that's a multi-season project 
but it is also not the the whole of what makes Killian Hayes a, a special NBA prospect. But speaking of guys who like put in, you know, hundreds of thousands of reps on their shot and, and improved it over the course of their career, uh, Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin was playing. Uh, he looks healthy. He looks fine. He's playing without a knee brace or a compression yeah. sleeve for the first time in recent memory. That was nice to see. Uh, he's back to his old ways, got into a little uh, chippiness with uh, with Thomas Bryant. <laughs> Ended up Thomas Bryant getting fined and, and laughing. That was that was a nice uh, Twitter moment. Um, but on the other hand, he uh, I think he shot like one for seven from three in the final preseason game. Uh, he looked like he kind of like wanted to dunk a couple times and couldn't slash didn't uh, slash like just kind of laid the ball in. Um he we haven't seen him thankfully like grind people to dust in the post like 20 times a game um but and that's something i think we'll see more of in the regular season if we're being perfectly honest but we, we didn't see him kind of like explode in his spin moves out of the post in the way he did and he was uh completely disinterested in playing defense which is which is fine i don't care if blake doesn't want to play defense <laughs> ben what do you uh what do you think of uh blake griffin during during this preseason period well, that's, I think, a pretty, pretty good summary, Laz. I think, notably, he was second on the team in assists uh, after Derrick Rose. Um, second on the team in minutes, I believe, which surprised me, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Um, he and Jeremy Grant both you know, played about 24 minutes a game, which was, which was surprising. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think the question is, for me, it, is the explosiveness just – a matter of effort and focus and role in, in those four preseason games where, you know, they were really force feeding Killian Hayes and really force feeding Jeremy Grant to sort of see what those two guys have. And as a result, Blake was just kind of taking a back seat and floating around the perimeter and taking a lot of threes. Um, or, you know, is some of that explosiveness uh, just not a part of his game anymore because of the injuries that he suffered? And, um, you know, obviously, I hope it's the former, but let's be real. He's getting older. We're not going to see 24-year-old Blake Griffin uh, lob city moments uh, all too often. So, you know, I think he did move well laterally. Um, I think when he did choose to put it on the floor, he was still able to get to his spots and get his shots. He did have um, a few post possessions. I, I was watching for that particularly in game four, because I was curious how assertive he would or wouldn't be in that final warm-up uh, prior to the regular season starting. But with you, I completely expect to see some of that uh, pound-the-ball bully basketball that we've seen out of Blake Griffin. Um, it's effective, even if it isn't always pretty. Um, but I, I'm hoping that we don't see quite as much of it as we saw two seasons ago because we have some ball handlers around him, right? And I think, obviously, with the, the concerted effort to develop Killian Hayes, uh, Blake won't necessarily have to carry as heavy a, a weight as he has in, in seasons past. But I think in order for the Pistons to have anything resembling an effective offense, uh, Blake is going to have to be much more involved in the regular season. He's still going to, I think, need to lead the team in shot attempts. Uh, he's still going to have to be uh, the primary hub, even as you're bringing um, Killian Hayes along, because he's he's still a fantastic passer. He still sees the uh, the court incredibly well for a power forward. Um, you know, that three-point shooting you mentioned, I think he was one for seven. I think you're right in, in game four. Some of that's going to come. Some of that is just getting your legs underneath you after a, a really long time away from full-speed basketball. So, yeah, I was happy that he moved well laterally. Uh, I was happy that he sort of embraced the quarterback role without having to take a whole bunch of shots. And I do look forward to him um, trying on defense again because <laughs> they're going to need him um, to at least be the quarterback and draw those charges, which he's got a, a fantastic uh, knack for doing. So, yeah, super encouraged that that, that Blake Griffin – was moving well, even if he wasn't uh, dunking over everybody the way he used to. I, I still hold my breath when he takes those charges. Oh man, yeah, that's not a fun uh, experience. Um, but yeah, if that is the uh, the bulk of his contributions on defense, that's also and and rebounding. He was a semi effective rebounder yeah. in his time on the floor, mm -hmm. uh, which is important. Something we we've talked about as being an issue that needs addressing. And so, like that was good. But yeah, like if. I'm I'm not I'm worried about 
uh, I'm not worried per se, but I am, I'm noting his lack of vertical explosion mm-hmm. has nothing to do with his lack of like horizontal mm-hmm. explosion. If yes. that makes sense. Yeah. When he's driving, you still get to spots. Um, when he's posting, uh, I want to see him like spin off guys more, but they also weren't asking him to do that. Uh, I like the note that he led the team in assists. We see, um, and I think that's that's one very easy way to take uh, pressure off him uh, being forced to create shots. You see passes like the one he threw to Svi in the corner, where he's just like reading the help defense entirely and throwing it around two people to uh, like in Svi's pocket for like a corner uh, for a perfect shot. Like you you see him do stuff like that, and you'd be like, okay. Like even if uh, he's not able to rise up and dunk on somebody, if he can do that consistently, like that will uh, make him effective offensively in a a way that is still like beneficial to what Detroit has to offer. Um, I wonder if we will see more like two man action with Blake Griffin and Jeremy Grant. That was something I talked about a couple weeks ago, and and something I think is going to need um, more time to develop chem- to develop chemistry like around. Um, I wonder if we'll see more uh, Blake Griffin, Mason Plumley pick and rolls, the four five pick and rolls. Um, that's something that you know Blake had uh, pretty good chemistry with Andre Drummond back when they were both healthy, and that's something I think that uh, would be worth like taking advantage of. And we saw you know Blake Griffin uh, and Killian Hayes develop a little on court chemistry. Uh, obviously, like Killian's first basket came off a of Blake Griffin assist. We saw multiple times uh, defenses forced to switch. Um, you know, putting uh, Blake or putting like a point guard on Blake and having Blake be able to take advantage of that as a mismatch. So yeah, like Blake is still a, a effective, versatile offensive threat. Uh, it's just I'm not as uh, I'm not as expecting a lot of like vertical athleticism out of him. But I he, nothing about what I saw from Blake this preseason makes me think he's gonna look he's gonna score like you know, the 15 points a game he was scoring last year. I think we're much closer to like 20 point per game, Blake, which is what the Pistons are going to need to stay competitive on a night to night basis. Well, yeah. And a season ago, I mean, he just never looked right. You know what I mean? He just, everything looked laborious. Like everything looked like it was taking every ounce of energy he had just to complete whatever the play was. Uh, By contrast in the preseason, he looked, very comfortable. He didn't look like he was ever in pain. It didn't look like he was ever struggling to get his body to do what he wanted it to do. And look, that's huge, right? I mean, that in and of itself is, is going to be critically important. No, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Ben, The uh, where I wanted to skip ahead to Svi Mikhailuk. The Svi played pretty well in the uh, preseason. I'm not, I'm not worried per se about Svi. But I just wanted to ask you, do you think it's a thing that Svi was only playing like 13 minutes a night in the preseason? Like He is clearly the best shooter on the roster and fits alongside, uh, you know, basically everything the Pistons are trying to do on offense. He looked to be much more aggressive in looking for his shot um, during the preseason. You know, why do you think Svi was only playing like 13 minutes a night? Well, let me give you my worry and let me give you my worry mitigation, right? So my <laughs> my worry is that um, for whatever reason, and the reason I don't totally understand, he's a little bit in the doghouse with Dwayne Casey. I personally think he's the best shooting guard on the roster. I personally don't think it's particularly close. Um, it, in spite of the fact that Josh Jackson played well and whether he's a two or a three, whatever. You know, like I feel like Svee's off the ball movement um, fits really well with Killian Hayes and Blake Griffin. I think his shooting, right, he's a knockdown shooter. I think that fits particularly well with Killian Hayes and Blake Griffin. I think Svee should be starting. That's just my opinion. I think he fits more naturally. Um, you know, DeLon Wright wasn't bad, right? Like, he played solid minutes, and Josh Jackson played solid. And um, so my worry is that for whatever reason, Casey just isn't as high on him as I'd like him to be. Um, the mitigating factor that I think maybe is possible is in Josh Jackson and DeLon Wright and to some degree Wayne Ellington, you have um, a preseason to sort of evaluate who those players are, where um, by contrast, you already sort of know who Svima Kailuk is. So what I'm hopeful about 
is that the preseason was a way for Casey to give those other three guys a bit of an audition, you know, to figure out who are my, you know, who are my shooting guards slash swing men that I, I really want to go to uh, as the bulk of my nine man or 10 man rotation, whatever it shakes out to be. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I'm worried that he only played 13 minutes a game. I feel like he should have the most minutes of any of the shooting guards right now. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Svi. He really has won me over during his time in Detroit. I think in particular, um, he looked really comfortable um, coming off of screens and off of motion and, and knocking down threes where he wasn't perfectly on balance. That's a hard thing to do. Uh, and I think he did that really well in the preseason. I, I think the spacing that he provides really would, would set up uh, Killian and Blake Griffin's offense well. Laz, I think you raised this point a week ago or two weeks ago. A guy like DeLon Wright potentially gives you another ball handler to take pressure off of Killian Hayes, and maybe that's what Dwayne Casey was thinking. My opinion after, again, just four games, but my opinion so far is that Killian's ball handling and composure and poise is all good enough that you don't necessarily need that, especially when you've got Blake Griffin as sort of your uh, emergency blanket, like if you need it. Uh, I'd really like to see Svee start. I, I think he's a, a really nice player and a really nice compliment. I agree that Sfi should be starting, but I wonder if uh, I wonder if Dwayne Casey just like we talk about Killian having an extra ball handler on the floor in Daylon Wright. I wonder if Dwayne Casey just wants more shooting on the floor with Derrick Rose. To be yeah, perfectly could, honest, yeah. we like I was thinking about this when I was watching the game. We were equally kind of questioning when Luke Kennard was coming off the bench you know, with Derrick Rose early at like early at this time uh, last yeah. year. Yeah, and right. that proved to be a very, you know, effective bench combination for as long as it lasted uh, before the injury started to hit. Um, and Derrick Rose like really appreciated playing off another shooter um, in a way that I think uh, with Killian getting the ball out of his hands more than, than Rose does uh, for their, for the lineups that they are in uh, it makes perhaps more sense. Uh, but like the other thing is, uh, if C if C starts, then you're working yourself into a situation where you have Daylon Wright and Derrick Rose on mm, the floor at the yeah, same time. Yeah, that's true. And like if Daylon's right, if Daylon Wright is mainly his main value to the team is as a like secondary ball handler. Like again, Derrick Rose does not need a secondary ball handler on the floor with him derrick rose has got this mm-hmm. and so, yeah, that's true. And so I, I wonder if that's just like the way the puzzle pieces uh, are fitting in the mind of Dwayne casey the other thing i'll say with svi is that um i noticed that often he was getting pulled for sadiq bay and uh sadiq bay like very clearly like needed a tough look during the preseason um i really doubt that during the regular season we see Dwayne Casey go like 12, 13 deep. And so I'm fully expecting uh Svi to have all of those Sadiq Bay minutes that we saw, you know, uh later in the second quarter, all the way to the end of the second quarter and in the second half. And so that probably gets him more into a reasonable uh minutes load uh, as far as like a regular season rotation. Um that that makes sense to me. I would like to see more Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay played pretty well in the preseason, but uh, if it's him or Svi, like Svi, hundred percent. Yeah, he's Svee. he's better right now for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ben. We went through a bunch of stuff, but uh, what else? What else did uh, you want to talk about? Was there anything that I didn't kind of sketch out that you wanted to mention? Yeah, I feel like I have to talk about Jeremy Grant. Um, I again, you know, like I've been lukewarm to critical uh, of this acquisition which we don't need to rehash all of that, but watching him play to me, he is clearly struggling so far to, to take on this new offensive role. Um, and I will, I will say even looking beyond the shooting numbers, which are really bad, right? Like they are objectively bad. Uh, his three point shooting numbers actually are okay, which makes the two point sh- shooting numbers look worse like three-point shooting is 35 percent overall field goal percentage is 29 percent which means that the overwhelming majority of two-point buckets are not falling beyond that right even beyond the stats 
like I, I'm legitimately concerned about this role that the Pistons have uh, potentially envisioned for him because I don't know that I'm seeing the skill set to get you a whole lot of individual buckets. Like they looked at him in the post a little bit. Um, he's tried to do some things off the dribble, just sort of freelance and ad hoc within the scheme of the offense and nothing has really worked <laughs> so far. I'm not ready to give up on him or, or say that it's, you know, an objectively bad signing or anything like that. But I will say he's the only guy that I'm like honestly worried about coming out of this preseason. I'm, I'm just not convinced. He didn't, he didn't have any single game where to me it was like, yeah, I really see the vision that Troy Weaver has uh, for Jeremy Grant as an offensive player. Like that didn't happen. Um, so I don't know. I maybe I'm just being stubborn <laughs> and like holding on to this idea that it wasn't a great signing. But I don't know. I just I didn't see anything on the floor that said to me, "Yep, this this is going to work and this is going to fit." I just saw really honestly just a bunch of red flags. I don't know, Laz. What did you see with Jeremy Grant? Um, and am I completely wrong about this? You are definitely not completely wrong. Jeremy Grant did not have a amazing preseason. Um, and I think your point, the the point you made that resonated most with me was that you didn't, you never saw him put together like a full game where you were like, okay, like this is what I feel like I'm supposed to be seeing from Jeremy Grant. That resonated me with me because what I feel like I get with Jeremy Grant is I get moments, mm. right? You get uh, you get a shot contest that no one else on the roster can make, mm-hmm. right? You get uh, you get a uh, a defensive possession that you know a handful of players like in the NBA can make, and then you know you get those uh, wide open corner threes that he knocks down with ease. You know those are those are the things that Jeremy Grant does well, but those are the the role player things that he wants to uh, that we already knew he could do well right when you get him out of his comfort zone when you get him uh experimenting and and trying to stretch the limits of his offensive game he you know very clearly doesn't look comfortable um and again there were even moments within that right like he had the the nice finish around uh denny abdia he had uh, a couple of and ones i think in the uh, two games in washington but on the whole it just uh, it it looks like a consistent uphill battle yeah, for him yeah. uh, offensively, yeah. and I do wonder how long the Pistons try and stick with that uh, during the regular season. If what we saw so far in the preseason continues, right? Like how many more Jeremy Grant like turnaround fifteen footers in the post are we going to get? Uh, before Dwayne Casey kind of pulls the plug on the experiment for, for the year. And that's what I'm worried about per se, because, you know, by reports, that's why Jeremy Grant is here is to get better at those things. And if he's not, if it gets to a point where he's no longer allowed or he's no longer encouraged to do those things by the coaching staff, like what does that do for a guy who, um, if we're being perfectly honest, didn't have to be here and had better alternatives. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I am, uh, I am worried about Jeremy Grant's offense. Uh, his defense was really nice though. Yeah. And he was a better rebounder than I expected him to be from yeah. the small forward position. I wonder if that was a point of emphasis. Um, and so I think there, the other thing is like, I think that he will, he'll be fine. Uh, for the for the most part, simply because like at a baseline, he's so good at the role player things. Um, but I wonder if the uh, consistent undercurrent of resentment around his contract um, poisons the fan base towards him. And like that would be really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Grant is um, a guy that you know, if he weren't making the money that he's making, I feel like Pistons fans would really embrace what he can uh, what he can do. Um, but I, I worry that he will uh, be—he'll become synonymous with other previous. Don't uh, say it. Don't say it. 
with other previous free agency failures. No names involved, just other dudes the Pistons have spent money on in free agency. And I feel like he that like that's unfair to him. Yeah, all of that is completely fair. I think the thing that I I found myself thinking about this morning as I was thinking about the podcast was this idea that Blake Griffin is going to take on a larger role when we get to real basketball that counts, right? And I wanted to see that for Jeremy Grant's sake during game four, <laughs> because I feel like he could play off of, I, th- I think he can, I think he can play off of Blake Griffin in a really effective way. So I, I think the thing I'm hoping for is that we're going to see some of the things that he's already proven he can do so well. Once we get into a more normal sort of offensive scheme to me, it looked like they were really trying to give him just like total freedom, just do whatever you want, test the waters, right? Like none of this counts. So do, you know, try everything you've been working on. Um, and hopefully they, hopefully they can find the balance. I think you're right. You don't want to crush his confidence because confidence, you know, it's one of those things that you hear TV commenters say, and like, you kind of just want to roll your eyes instinctively. But I, I think it's true. I think confidence is incredibly important. So they have to figure out, like, how do you rein him in a little bit while still keeping his confidence um, sky high? Because he's going to need that uh, in order to become the player they they hope he can become. So that, to me, is the mitigator. It's like once you get into some normalcy offensively and he can he's encouraged to do some of the things he's already done as well as stretch his legs, uh, maybe that becomes sort of the, the big breakthrough for him. And look, I think, you know, as a as a fan, one of the things that has been rewarding for me over the past handful of years is like whenever someone becomes a piston, like you just have to reset your expectations and pull for them. Otherwise, like it's just not fun. It's not enjoyable. So yeah, I don't love the Jeremy Grant signing, but you know what? It doesn't matter. He's a piston now. He wears the jersey. I'm going to cheer for him. I'm going to pull for him and I'm going to want him to be successful. You know, so if there are, if there are any fans out there who are who are kind of like me, like and you you kind of you want to believe like, oh, well, they shouldn't have done this, right? Like that's your instinct. Just try to let that go. Um, otherwise, it's just going to be a frustrating season for you. When someone puts on the piston jersey, you you just got to pull for them and cheer for them. And to me, that's just the most enjoyable way to experience the game. No, I think that's fair. the The game is more fun, and this is supposed to be an entertainment product, right? It's yeah. it's not fun to root against your team. That sucks. That's part of the whole reason why tanking is so uh, unfortunate. <laughs> anyway, that that's a longer philosophical discussion we no longer have time for. Uh, ben. Let the people know where they can find you, where they can find your work, uh, where they can find more thoughts about how fun it can or can't be to root for Jeremy Grant. <laughs> well, uh, at BR Golker on Twitter, guys, basketball's here. Let's talk about it. Um, every podcast post, hit me up in the comments. Keep keep giving us feedback, too. We appreciate it. Uh, so at BR Golker on Twitter in the comments uh, at DetroitBadBoys.com. That's where you can find me. And, of course... You can always follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. You can always find me on the comments on uh, the podcast posts as well. And uh, yeah, that's and I probably will be writing some stuff about the uh, the way the Pistons look in their first couple of uh, regular season games, along with everybody else on the site. Uh, all right. This has been the uh, Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next week. See you.